My name's Dave. I have the privilege of sharing the word with you this morning. Thank you, music team. Did a wonderful job as ever. A couple of things that I've learned in the last 24 hours. If you're going to iron your pants, do it the night before because your iron knows when to discharge fluid all over your pants. It just knows. And secondly, I think one of the arts to successful speaking or public speaking is learning when to negotiate that last cup of coffee. I'm still not quite sure I've got that one right. If I have to leave early, you'll know why. Good morning. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, don't you think? It's a bit exciting. Um, One of the things I'm really grateful for is that the kids all walk out before I get up. It's sort of disconcerting when people do that. Hey, James. Some private jokes going on. God with us. We're going to be continuing on in that theme. Week one, Pastor Brown got up and he, he spoke about the prophecy in Isaiah 7 that foretold of Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew verse one, or chapter, or verse 1, chapter 1, it says, The virgin shall be with child, and they shall name him Emmanuel, God with us. And the enfolding or the unfolding of that story, the story that is the Christmas story, happened. That's why we're here. It happened. This Emmanuel, this child that grew into a man we call Jesus, he walked the earth for 33 years or so to be hung on a tree and crucified. This his main purpose the redemption of mankind. And along the road, he taught us many things about life, both in the present and the life to come. He died, he rose again. He left so the Holy Spirit could come and we can now have eternal life. Wouldn't it be lovely if life was now just a bed of roses? Enjoyment, pleasure, No heartache, no sickness, no worries, no storms. Because that is the theology of some. And if we're not living in that space, well, maybe we're doing something wrong. Sin. Not working hard enough for the kingdom. Not offering enough in your tithes and your offerings. But that is not the theology of God. Because he promises us a life of trials. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Matthew 16, 24 to 26. If you come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't sound a pleasant experience, taking up one's cross. Hebrews 12, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have the narrow gate, the wide, no, we've got the narrow gate and the wide gate. Hard things to negotiate. Hey, have you ever tried to swim upstream? 
we should all be saying yes. Because that's what we're called to do. Swim against the tide of what the current philosophy of life teaches us. There is so much teaching on this subject. But if you're anything like me, or maybe maybe you don't want to be like me, but 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I'd like that to be my epitaph, amongst other things. His teaching is to help equip us to handle the trials that we will face. God with us in the storms. And yet, we struggle. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us. You'd speak and maybe break down some of that hardness of heart. Lord, that you would encourage us with your word this morning. Father, that we would leave here different, that we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the difficulties that I had preparing this message was getting my head around the fact that Christmas is only three days away, a time of joy, peace, happiness and goodwill to all. And here I am reaching on the storms of life. Hello. A lot of what I'm going to talk to about this morning is testimonial. So you know what that means, right? It may or may not cause a tear to well up in your eyes. So bear with me. The statistics prove that Christmas is not necessarily the greatest time of year. Underneath the mistletoe, the holiday, the holly and the... <coughs> that, was, that was not a tear, that was choking. <coughs> the holly and the ivy, the nativity scenes around the twinkling Christmas trees, it seems like Christmas brings plenty of storms to some. There will be a spike of up to 20% in domestic violence. Loneliness. Intensification of feelings of loss. And I don't even know why I'm upset at this. But maybe we should be all upset that this is what's happening. Substance abuse. Financial hardships. Potential for suicide. All are at elevated levels because of a holiday period. It's sad. Maybe Christmas is just not that joyous at all for many in our communities. And what about those of us that are here this morning? How are we travelling? How are you handling and coping this Christmas period? If you're struggling, don't do it alone. Get in touch with someone. Seek help. Call a church, ring a pastor, ring a friend. 
But don't do it alone. Because it's that isolation where our mind takes us to places that we don't want to be. So we as a church family, how many drinks am I going to get here? Have you got any, anyone got any tissues? I've got no sleeves. Gosh, does this mean you love me? Righto, that's all we need. A good laugh to get me back on track. So we as a church family, we need to be praying for those, our family members. We need to be praying for those in our communities that are struggling. You need to be praying for me, I think. Okay. Because I'm not struggling, honest. Today's message is all about God with us in the storms, as you may have gathered. Now, the word storm appears quite often in our everyday language. And sometimes it can take on quite a different meaning to its original intent. Because we can cook up a storm. Any port in a storm, the calm before the storm, the eye of the storm, fire storm, way too much of that lately. Storm in a teacup, there's a storm brewing. We can weather the storm. I want to look at a couple of these sayings and just sort of give some of my life lessons, I guess, through those before we address the perfect storm. So for the clock watchers and the lunch makers and the children herders, my message will not take this long, I hope. But there is one key principle that I want to get through you this morning, and I'm going to repeat it often. I'm going to ask you to repeat it or just read it as we go through it. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I'll say that again. Read it with me. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. And that needs to be part of the glue, the fabric that holds us together as human beings. Storm in a teacup. Let's look at that one. The first recorded use of this phrase occurs in around 64 BC by Cicero. He used to be a pretty good friend of James McIver, I've heard. He was a Roman orator, lawyer, statesman and philosopher. And his version is translated, in fact, probably James, you know this, it's, it's creating billows in a ladle. You're familiar with a ladle? Now, I feel it's very important right from the start to state that on the odd occasion, I've been guilty of creating the odd storm in a teacup. I mean, why wouldn't I? So many things just, I blow out of proportion. Put your hand up if you know someone that's been guilty of the storm in a teacup. It's a few hands. Come on, be honest. Storm in a teacup, yeah? Leave your hand up if that person has been you. Yeah, look, there's some honest Christians in church. Isn't that exciting? You know, I think it's just part of our human condition to allow life's frustrations, maybe even that righteous anger, to well up. And it's something so trivial, but it explodes in our mind, doesn't it? Yet, if you find yourself there way too often, you're drowning in the billows, so to speak, constantly. It's not a good place to be. 
And it's decidedly not a normal place for Christians to be. The Bible tells me in Proverbs 29:18 that without vision, the people will perish. And quite often, when we have no meaning in our lives, where there's some, no purpose, where there's nothing that we can really invest our lives into, we start to become so self-focused and so insular that everything is an issue and it's all about yourself or myself. And it blows out of proportion. Our horizon is foreshortened. Our potential is diminished. So we need to get involved in life. How do we do that? Well, I could suggest that you volunteer. Volunteer for something. Whether it be in the church or whether it's in the community, take a risk and get out there and do something. Join a club, study, mentor other people. Because that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other things that we can involve our lives in, our passions in, to take the focus off self. Got to be something bigger than you. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Any port in a storm. Now, this is a phrase that has its nautical origins. Back in my pirate days, when when ships were made of wood and men were made of steel. So I'd like to think. Bit too much of a landlubber these days. In fact, often I feel shipwrecked. But never mind. See, it was the norm for these unpowered vessels to seek the safety of a harbour, even if it was not a friendly harbour, rather than to stay out in the elements and potentially lose the lot or the loot, depending on how you want to put that. And I want to tell you this morning that in your storm, any port is less than ideal. Any relationship is not good in your storm. Any shoulder to cry on is not good in your storm. Any advice is not good in your storm. Any social media is not good in your storm. Any vice is not good in your storm. See, these are like unfriendly harbours. They promise safety. They look good. But they can be your undoing. See, read the book of Proverbs for the promises to the unwise or of the unwise. But we do need shelter from the storm. Because we can be so vulnerable in that place. But we are to be wise in the seeking of it. Read the book of Proverbs for the promises to the wise. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt of the presence of God. The calm before the storm. It's been said that you're either in a storm, you're just leaving a storm, about to enter one. How exciting is life, eh? Where are you right now? What part of that equation do you find yourself in? See, being in the calm before the storm, it literally means a quiet or a peaceful time before a period during which there is great activity, argument or difficulty. And that's how we use it in speech. But in the context of our lives, what can we do? And in short, the answer is prepare. We need to be preparing for the storms that are going to come. 
This is the place where we need to establish relationships. Real relationships. Relationship first and foremost with God. And often this is the hardest time or place for you to establish that relationship with God. Because when there's no bad things going on in our lives, we tend to get complacent. Oh, we come to church, we're involved in this, and we do that, and we do all of the stuff, but inwardly. What are we doing inwardly? Are we seeking God? Are we, are we what's that word? Planting our roots deep? Is that where we are? Or are we just going, hey, we're cruising along because things are just so nice. This is great. Yeah, and then a storm comes. What are, your, what are your footings? This preparation time helps us to form the backbone of our life's structures. So we don't need to go to any port in a storm when we get this right. But sadly, we fall for the shame and the guilt that often associates itself with sin. Oh, I can't tell my peers what will my church friends think of me? I can't, I can't do that. You know, this is supposed to be a safe harbour. This is a place where we're supposed to be able to share those things. I, I was at a church, I hadn't been a Christian very long, and it was in Albury, Wodonga. Well, it was more Albury than Wodonga, because it was Albury. I told you you don't want to be like me, but anyway. And this young guy, he would have been 23 or so, and he stood up in front of a congregation, probably this size, and he said, I need help. I'm involved in sexual sin. I need help. There was not a dry eye in the place. People gathered around him and supported him. Do we have the guts? I'm not suggesting you all do that, please. I'm but, but do we have that conviction within us to trust the church family with those issues? Not everybody. I'm not suggesting by any means. But do you have the trust in the relationships that you form in the calm before the storm to trust you to get you through the storms? Because often we don't. It's a facade. And I've been guilty of that. Maybe your relationship storm is visiting with you this Christmas. And it is or will be a real struggle for you. Now, if you're a guest, a visitor, and you're with a member of that family, just give him a nudge and say, he's not talking about me. Because I'm not. Or are you? (laughs) Maybe in the calm before the storm you can work on those relationships. Now I know this is highly contextual. Because I can't put context on what's happened in your relationships. And you can't do that for me either. But there is the possibility that we can be working on those things before they visit us. I don't know your pain. I don't know what you've gone through. But I cannot discount God's word because of your situation. 
He tells me that forgiveness is powerful and it can set you free. Forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. There's some verses up that I'm going to put up here on the screen. And this is about forgiveness. And you read these in your own time, and this is relevant or relevant to you. Colossians 3.13, Matthew 6, 14, 15, Luke 17, 3 and 4, and Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. This is about forgiveness. And, and what God views, his point on forgiveness, and it's to set you free. And he understands your pain. He was betrayed. He was crucified. He was hurt. He was abandoned. He was whipped. He was beaten. And if I believe his message, then it behoves me to forgive you or whoever the you is in my life that I need to forgive. Relationships need work all the time. Not just when they're floundering. Not just when you think, oh, oh I need something. Oh, look, I tell you what, if I buy flowers, I'm going to get that, um, um, that whatever it is. You know, and we can use this relationship game as a manipulative thing. No, relationships. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm really good at failing when it comes to some of this stuff. But relationships need work all the time. Don't take them for granted. Relationships that function well can handle most things. And I say most things. And as I said before, do you believe in them enough to share that stuff from the bottom of your heart? Knowing that your heart's not going to be trampled on. If you have financial storms, work on them in the calm. How many of, on, um, of us are going to come to look at our bank statement on January the 5th or whatever and go, huh, great, I've just put myself in a huge bunch of debt buying Christmas presents that no one really needed anyway, but I felt obliged that I had to go through this process and I do it year after year after year and I go, what, what, why am I doing this? But I just do it. Don't put ourselves in financial situations that we can't afford to put ourselves into. If you want to buy, then try to plan for that financial storm. And again, there's context around all this. If you have diet and fitness storms, work on them in the calm. If there are certain health things that you can do, do them in the calm. Because in the storms of life, you just don't have the energy. You don't have the focus. You can't be bothered. It's all just too hard. Never allow the presence of the storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let's talk about the perfect storm. Have we all seen the movie, The Perfect Storm, where the fishing trawler, the Andrea Gale, gets swamped by a massive wave and they're all lost, all died? Not, not, you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not one of my favourite movies. I don't really like um, George Clooney. But anyway. Sorry, I don't think he's a great actor. 
So by definition, a perfect storm is an event in which a rare combination of circumstances drastically aggravates an event. And in the case of the Andrea Gale, it was meteorological phenomena where cyclones merged, became hurricanes, etc., etc., killer waves, dead, everybody gone. We can all be susceptible to a perfect storm. None of us are, an Im are immune to it. I can see some people are still awake because you're all smiling at me or laughing at me, I'm not sure. A, a psychologist once told me that we as humans are quite able to deal with the storms of life. You see, we have coping mechanisms. And we tend to deal with them as we do. Not all of our coping mechanisms are good. Some of them are, but some of them are not. And some coping mechanisms can involve substance abuse. Some coping mechanisms cope with lashing out and hurting people. Not all of them are good. Those two, definitely not. However, when there is a merging of too many storms in your life, you now have fertile ground for the perfect storm. At least that was my case. I went to work one morning. Had a bit of a meltdown. Couldn't function. Didn't know what to do. Fortunately, I had a system in place. My workplace had that. And it didn't take them long for me to get the professional help. See, my perfect storm came on top of a storm, but involved a parent's death, a relationship breakdown, children leaving the nest, pending surgeries, associated stresses of being a single parent, and all of the associated financial stuff that goes with that. And my life went into freefall. Do you know what it's like to fall and you don't know where the bottom is and it just seems never ending? You're sort of grabbing at the air. That's how I felt. I felt compelled to try any port in a storm. I went to places I shouldn't have gone, did things I shouldn't have done, in a perfect storm, there is collateral damage. You hurt people. You take along the innocents, family members, friends. You destroy relationships. And sometimes you never get them back. The words that come out of your mouth, I didn't recognise some of them. Did not recognise them. That's not me. I was not prepared. Not prepared. But there was one thing. Just one thing. And I don't say this because it's a cliche thing. I say it because I felt it was the truth. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. 
You had to cling to something, right? There is an example of the potential for a perfect storm in the Bible, and we can find that in Acts 27. And I'm just going to sort of paraphrase it a bit for you, but I really encourage you to read the whole story. It's about Paul, and he's a captive to the Romans, and he's being sent to Rome, and he's going by boat. That's better, I can see. They started to endure the journey as the weather changed and they could go no further because of wind and waves. And Paul admonished the captain and the crew. And he said, men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo on the ship, but also for our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain. Some competing influences here. They all have their agendas. And the crew, there were 250-odd, 260, I think it was. They're the innocent victims. They're the ones that are getting dragged along for the ride in this. They have no say in the outcome. They're just going on the boat. They continued, but then another weather system caught them, and they were captive to it. Despite all the considerable seamanship experience available to them, they were floundering. This went on for over 14 days. The cargo was being jettisoned overboard. The sun and the stars had not been visible for many days and they began to lose hope. It took them that long? Goodness me. And then Paul stands up. And Paul does one of those human, human things that we all like to do, doesn't he? He stands up and he says, I told you so. If you blokes had just all listened to me. Something about the human condition. Even in Paul, he said that. We're all going, yeah, Paul, you don't need to talk to me now. I know, I know we should have listened. We've been down that path. Someone's given you some advice. And you know you should have listened, even as you're doing the thing you shouldn't be doing. Paul lets them know. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying that things that angels always say, do not be afraid. But Paul, you must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Ultimately, the ship runs aground and is lost. All the cargo is lost, but they escape with their lives. And as I said, there's a lot in that story. Paul's predilection to prayerful preparation prevented the potential pitfall and peril of all personnel on that vessel. I can say that again, I think. Paul's preparation to prayer, Paul's relationship with God was such that God warned him of the potential pitfalls. And he tried to express that to everyone, but they would not listen. But he was prepared. He had been in countless situations where he was in jail and he was beaten and he was this and he was that and he was hungry and he had a lot and he did so many things. But he was prepared. And we need to be prepared for the pitfalls or the potential pitfalls that follow us or will try to ensnare us. 
We have an enemy, church. And before you think you know what I'm about to say, I'm going to say it's yourself. It's self. Satan's role is to feed that. He wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you indulged. And he wants to keep you ultimately ineffective. That's what he wants to do. What are the competing agendas in your life that stop your preparation? Whose advice are we listening to? When are we going to learn from our mistakes or do we just continually go around this mountain and we face the same predicament again and again and again? I want to finish this morning with another storm story. And this can be found in three Gospels. I'm going to read the one out of Matthew 8, 23, or paraphrase it. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus on the lake. Nothing unusual about that, as most of the disciples were experienced fishermen. And a storm front approaches. It engulfs them, and they are fearful for their lives. Yet Jesus is asleep in the boat. That's a beautiful picture. And if we take a moment to just consider it and to ponder it and see it, The Prince of Peace is in the boat with the disciples and yet the disciples have no such peace at all. How many times have we said, if only Jesus was here with us in the flesh? Why? He's in the boat. They're in the boat. Prince of Peace, perfect peace. No peace at all. Think about it. I, I wanted to sort of finish with the cliche, who's in your boat this morning? Who, but but that, that, it's, it's got to be a bit more than that. You've got to have a bit more than Jesus in your boat, obviously. Proximity means nothing unless we call on him, unless we're in relationship with him in that sense. Because he promises this. Well, actually, before that, he turns around and he says, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? My words, it's, it's only a storm. Then he got up and rebuked the storm and it became perfectly still. The storms of our lives are external things. But peace is internal. It's an internal thing. And Jesus promised that as we focus on him, live our lives for him, be in relationship and surrender to him, he will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's from Philippians 4, 7. And I read this while I was doing some research. We sometimes fail to understand that the everlasting peace Jesus promises is an inner peace, born in faith, anchored by testimony, nurtured with love, and expressed through continual obedience and repentance. It is a piece of spirit that echoes through the heart and soul. Beautiful words. Why don't we say this as a benediction? Sort of like that's speaking out a blessing. Let's say it together, church. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let's do that once more. I think we can do better than that. Never allow 
the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Could I have the music team come up, please? I don't know what you're going through this morning. You could be at that point where, you know, life's good. We're cruising right now. You could have just come out of the storm and you just can't. I don't know how I survived that. That was just tough. That was a, that was a biggie. But I got through. Or maybe you're just sitting there right now going, uh-oh. I'm in the calm and I don't know when it's coming. My encouragement, for what it's worth, is to take that phrase to heart. You're going to have a tough time sometime. Nurture the relationship you have with God. Strengthen it. Grow it. Nurture the relationships that you have with your friends. If you have few friends, then you've got two things to do. Strengthen those relationships because you'll need them. Or develop the habit of making friends. That's my area. I've got to develop the habit of making friends. Most of my life has been about military stuff. I, go, I know hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people. I've worked with them. I've served with them. I've sailed with them. I've fought with them, so to speak. But are they my friends? Probably not. Oh, Dave, how are you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Right Move on. We can't do this life journey by ourselves. And I would love to see a day. My, I guess my heart's saying this, that if I was a young 23-year-old person saying I'm struggling with sexual sin, can you please help me? That there'd be people supporting me. They wouldn't be judging me. They wouldn't be saying things like, oh, you know, we've got to learn to walk in another person's shoes. And that's what I want for this church. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for us, that, that generosity of spirit, that compassion. So I want to pray. Where you're at right now, in one sense, is irrelevant when it comes into the context of proximity to God. If you need prayer this morning because you've got a firestorm going on somewhere in your life, Let's come out the front and let's pray. We've got people that will help pray for you. But it's about God. It's not about knowing Him as in, yeah, I know Jesus, I go to church. It's about knowing Him. It's about knowing Him. And if you don't know this Him, this Jesus, this Emmanuel, this God with us, that can take you through a storm, then I would encourage you to come forward because I I would just so love to lead you to know Him. So we're going to sing this song. 
We're going to worship God. If you need prayer, please come. If you need to know Jesus, please come. If you need support, please come. And let us pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son. And thank you for this season that we find ourselves in right now where you are with us, Emmanuel. God with us. Lord, we so long that our seasons are calm and joyous. But often they're not. And you know, you know our struggles, you know the trials. So Father, we just lift it to you this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place right now. Minister minister to hearts this morning. Lord, let there be fertile soil here this morning. Father, forgiveness is a word, Father God, that, that, that just rolls off our lips and it hurts and it's painful and you understand, Father God. So, Lord, speak that word, forgiveness, into hearts this morning. Relationships, Lord, speak that word, relationships. Work on relationships, develop relationships, trust in the relationships, genuine relationships, Father. Those are the things we crave this morning. Just a touch from you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.